Why, hello there. It looks like we're live. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm going to be talking about, give you a little bit more background about some of these surgeries that are taking place. And please be forewarned that I will not be, absolutely not be showing you any kinds of graphic images. You can click on the show notes that are right below the screen here and take a look for yourself. And I will be walking through some of the most um, interesting ones here about how this all got started. Because as it turns out, Casablanca, not such a big deal. Um, so anyway, so in, look out in the next couple of days, I'll be doing a more formal show. It'll be under five minutes. I'm concerned that people don't know what laws are in place right now. And because I've been covering this for a very long time now, it may have slipped your mind, the deal about the UN and stuff. So it'll be a show you should all love. It'll have music and graphics. So anyway, so I will be doing research updates. Please do not keep asking for the graphics. L look at it as an opportunity. Enter some silence into your life. I mean, it's not that bad, right? Okay, so if you want graphics, lots of places to go look at them. Okay, there's a couple things going on you need to know as far as the background. Um, they do a few procedures to flip a person, okay? It starts with the hormones, and then they do a couple of procedures to change the genitalia. And I'll talk in various um, kind of generalized terms here, okay? And it, it's freaky, okay? When, when a ma man, excuse me, when a woman takes a testosterone hormones to become a man, that is a FTM, female to male, okay? What happens when they take that testosterone is this. It creates a sort of a small penis out of the vagina. That's the only way I'm going to describe it, okay? So you can get this treatment, not you or me, but people can get this phalloplasty thing, and that is a fake penis. It has a hundred and million implications and side effects that I'm not going to even get into right now, but it is like watching a horror show, okay? I don't believe these surgeries are for them. I believe they're for the people that are getting flipped. But anyway, so, yeah, so they can take that little baby penis that gets made out of the vagina and turn it into a kind of a small penis, and or they can do the whole thing and turn it into a phalloplasty. And that inquires a huge hunk of skin out of the arm and stuff. So, yeah, I've actually seen a few people with that mark on their arm. So I knew what they had been doing. So, yeah, you look for those scars and you can kind of find your way there. And one final reminder, if you haven't been using the show notes to look around your own area, graphics are easy to find in your area, pictures of the local bank who's one of the cops in your area. We are right now in end times, people. So I don't feel comfortable not knowing who's around me. And I looked a long time ago. So I would suggest that you start looking yourself. Um, don't get too tied up trying to learn too much. Just get out there and start looking, okay? Look up who's running your town and stuff. So anyway, so let's start off here. We have a um, some really interesting ones. We have this guy, Sir Harold, got a lot of awards, Delph Gillies, G-I-L-L-I-E-S. He was a New Zealand-born British guy, and he is considered the father of modern plastic surgery. Interesting guy, huh? And I got some pic a picture in the show note. It's supposedly of a plastic surgery job that was the first one that was done, and it shows the... Um, some guy that received plastic surgery in 1917. I don't know. You know, they've been doing nose jobs for all these Jewish people and stuff for a very long time. So I don't necessarily buy everything that they're saying here, okay? 
so anyway, so that was his deal. He um, was big into the plastic surgery thing. So um, then there's this other guy who's very interesting, Eugen Steinach. He's an Austrian physiologist and pioneer in endocrinology. That's what you're going to be listening for. If you hear somebody saying they're going to an endocrinologist, wonder why, okay? He's played a significant role in discovering the relationship between sex hormones to human physical identifiers. He did kind of an interesting thing. He did. He was early into using the synthetic estrogen and stuff, okay? I think it was around the 40s or 50s that all these... Um, you know, hormones became commercially available. But he was an interesting guy. He was a hormone researcher and the director of the Vienna's Biological Institute of Academy and Sciences in 1912, okay? What he did was he was conducting experiments in the transplantation of a male guinea pig's testes into a female and the castration of the male. The testes secretion, now known as testosterone, or T, resulted in the female guinea pig developing male sexual behavior, such as mounting the partner. This led, led Steinick to theorize that the gland secretions were responsible for sexuality. So he developed this thing called the Steinick operation, okay? So he had, there were a whole bunch of people who were big onto him and followed his work after that point, okay? And then we have this one guy, very interesting, a Ludwig Levi... Lintz. These are some of the names that I rattled off last um, last show, and when I looked at them, it turned out they're all pretty important, okay? So, this Jewish, German-sounding guy, um, he's from the German Reich. He died in 1996 in Munich. He was a doctor of medicine and a sexual reformer, okay? So, we've got people way, way in front of the Casablanca thing doing all kinds of things, and interesting enough, in Germany, place where they never really quite shut down, right? So anyway, so they told this little story about how he goes here in 1909, and then he became a medical staff in 1925, where he performed surgical operations such as castration and gender reassignment. And he had a couple of famous patients, but I don't know who they are. But anyway, so in 1930, which makes this person also significant, is he compiled the first medical book on the subject of abortion. You know, there was a time that I thought abortions were, were every woman's right and a good idea. So we've all kind of learned and grown as we've gone along here, I hope. So so then we have, so this guy was also in the military. Everybody I found so far, except for one, did military service, okay? So he was, he was in Berlin, and he interwar, he didn't do anything really too significant during the war, but that's where he got his training. And after... Um, Excuse me, let me back up here. In 1928, he was appointed as professor of surgery at the Frederick Wilhelm University in, in Berlin. So here we've got 1928. So, yeah, these other people, you know, Casablanca, and those are moving more toward the 50s and the 60s. So anyway, so this guy, along with this Gorbant guy, these guys are all Germans, was one of the first surgeons to perform gender reassignment surgery with vaginoplasty. That's when they turn the penis into a vagina. Many problems with that surgery. Um, that surgery, what they do is they push the, I'll just give it very brief. 
they push the penis into the vagina and create a vagina. It's very complicated. In order for it to work, they have to like pump it for days and weeks. I mean, this stuff is is, is madness, okay? Um, and it's also very shallow. So it never ends up being what anybody thinks it's going to be, okay? And one surgery always leads to 500,000 of them. So, um, yeah, because these kids are getting butchered. So, so anyway, so yeah, they're doing this general, that would be 1931, okay? So he also served as the social office of the Reich Youth Leader. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So one other one I want to talk about here. This is this guy that um, Lennox Ross Roaster, probably the Lennox China people, right? He was an OBE from over in the UK, born 1889. He was a South African-born surgeon who spent most of his career at a, as a consultant at Charing Cross Hospital London. And I'll talk to you in a minute about Charing Cross Hospital in London. So, yeah, he hung around there. He was a Rhodes Scholar. These people are also smart, aren't they? Went to Oxford, of course. Uh, he met his wife-to-be, Edith, at Oxford. They had three daughters. Of course, they had three, didn't they, right? Either three or four, right? So he became the head surgeon there, which was kind of interesting because the Charing Cross Hospital was very popular. It was known as the Congenital Adrenal Hydroplastic at the Charing Cross Hospital, okay? And that was in the 1930s and stuff. So in 1932, at that hospital, he devised this operation of the adrenal glands for removal of tumors. I think that's because they give themselves these gland problems from those hormones, but I don't really know for sure. So anyway, so this brochure guy was pretty popular. The news of the world talked a lot about him. He was big in that um, that hospital there. And come to find out, that hospital, Charing Cross Hospital, is an acute general teaching hospital located in Hammersmith, London, United Kingdom. The present hospital was opened in 1973, although it was originally established in 1818 approximately five miles east of central London as the first transgender hospital in that area, right there at Charing Brown Hospital. So, yeah, so these people are all running around the service and stuff. This brochure guy, he was around the first surgeons to operate routinely on intersex patients. Some of these people didn't do a lot. Some of them did a whole lot, okay? So he participated in work that received frequent coverage in the British press, and he helped establish that hospital. So he was a founder of that Charing Hospital. They always have their hands in the hospitals and the money, right? So the oldest gender, they called it a gender, gender identity clinic, okay? And they say that they make 150 operations annually. That kind of blows apart the Casablanca guy's story because, uh, well, this is a whole big hospital. So his, his numbers just do not add up. So anyway, so yeah, so... I also have an interesting clip in the show notes of an original interview that took place at this Charing Cross Gender Identity Clinic. You might want to take a look at. Okay, I'll give me, I just got a couple more here for you. Um, this, there was a guy that, uh, we're done with the Charing, bye-bye. One guy, I couldn't find his picture. He was a pretty famous psychiatrist, and he is critical, okay? His name is John Randell, R-A-N-D-E-L-L. He was around from 1918 to 1982 and was a psychiatrist. 
The difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is a psychiatrist can give you mind-bending drugs <laughs> to rewire your brain. So usually what will happen is a psychologist will try to help you with thoughts and things like try to accuse your dad of raping you and all kinds of evil things that no one would ever do what they would cook up. And then they would then they would be the referral to the psychiatrist. And basically what happens in 15 minutes, that psychiatrist will decide all the meds you're going to be taking. 15 minutes, that's all you get with that psychiatrist. They do an intake. I looked into all this. They do an intake that's about two hours. But after that, 15 minutes, they're whipping out all these dangerous drugs, okay? So, yeah, so this guy became very, very interesting because there is a man named Harry Benjamin. Harry, Harry, Harry. Kind of funny for a bald guy, right? Well, Harry Benjamin is extraordinarily, I have had him in my radar for a few years now because I ran across Harry Benjamin a long time ago with Alfred Kinsey. Alfred Kinsey, I was talking about a couple of years ago. He is the freak that supposedly the Rockefellers hired out of the University of Indiana to teach us about sex. Right after the war, Kenzie came up with this book to teach everybody how to have sex. Well, Kenzie's not even a man, right? Um, there are stories that he used to hang himself by his, you know, what's in the basement of the university. So, and all the records from Kenzie's days are still evidently at the university. And they had some pretty creepy things. There was this one thing. His first book was about sex. And there was this one chapter in the book. I think it was called Chapter. I'll have to look it up for you. Chart 30 or something like that. Well, that chart was, and this was in a book that was published here in the United States that went worldwide, okay? Kenzie became a global authority on sex. He traveled all around the world talking about sex. And one of his things that he did in this book would have this really sick thing where they timed babies masturbating. So that's in some chapter in Kenzie's book. So that's why I ran across Kenzie. And then I ran across this Benjamin guy. And they met in 1948 in San Francisco, okay? Benjamin was asked by Alfred Kinsey, a fellow sexologist, to see a young patient who was anatomically male but insisted on being female. Kinsey had encountered the child as a result of his interviews for sexual behavior in the human male, which has published that year, that would have been 49, right? Isn't that wonderful? All these trannies telling us about sex and love and relationships, right? Where what they do is they go in to tell us about these things. Then they sneak in little cagey things like, are you sure that person didn't really molest you? Yeah, they, they, they have ways to twist the deal. And then, of course, the therapist feeds you into the psychiatrist who feeds you into the big pharma. So anyway, so, yeah, so... Yeah, I, I doubt they were just kind of sitting around talking about this. Okay, so this is where it gets fascinating, though, because this case rapidly caused Benjamin's interest in what he would come to call transsexualism, realizing that there was a different condition of that of transvesticism under which adults who had such needs had been classified at that time. I think that they were classifying people who just dressed up as the opposite sex. I think all of these people have been dressing up as the opposite sex up until this time, if you want to know my view on this stuff. But, um, yeah, they were cross-dressing before they got at all this hormone stuff. So this has been going on for thousands of years. But let's get into Benjamin here. This is fascinating. He started this group, and this group is now what they call their gold standard. 
like there is these creepy um, doctors here on YouTube that are from UCLA. If you want to listen to them, I'll give you their links. They're not talking about anything um, specific, but you can t- you can watch them and observe them and watch them when they talk about if they're going to become sterile or not. Watch them when they talk about these things. And they always say things like, well, I read a study the other day and, you know, there was something here but they never actually cite an actual study, okay? The only thing they're probably going to tell you is WAPATH, W-P-A-T-H. They will kind of, in the conversation, they'll be distracting about this or that, and they say, oh, we don't think this really happens because of this reason, but no data, right? But then they'll say, well, WAPATH is our gold standard. Well, WAPATH came from this nut job, Harry Benjamin, okay? So he started this group devoted to the understanding and treatment of gender dysphoria. So that all started with Harry Benjamin. Professionals include anyone working in the discipline such as medicine, psychology, law. I bet they are there. Social work. Uh Uh-huh. Really, if you haven't gotten it by now, it's the entire system, okay? That's why you really need to consider looking around your own neighborhood. Non-professionals may, non-professionals may also join, paying the same membership fee. Yeah, I wish I would have known that. I might have joined. <laughs> but without voting privileges. The organization is funded by its members and by donations and grants from non-commercial sources. Yeah, I see a lot of these things. These embryo people and stuff, they're getting grants from the U.S. government. All these sneaky, uh, crazy embryo clinics that are all over YouTube trying to get people to. Um, there's no laws for these embryos, okay? Not a single law. If you have extra eggs after IVF, those eggs are your property, treated like property, okay? You can go on Facebook and you can find other couples who want to have a child and you can decide who's going to get your extra eggs. Then all you have to do, no lawyers involved on both sides, just draw up a piece of paper from from your one attorney and you meet these people. You like their religious beliefs and all their other stuff that they're lying about. And you can, in fact issue them your embryos. They say there's a million of them in this country alone. I think that is not true at all. I think there's a lot more of them. But yeah, embryos in this country are treated like property. See, they've rigged this game from the very beginning, okay? The game is rigged, so we pay the rules, and they don't. So anyway, so yeah, so take a look at the show notes. Um, There's some interesting things. They were talking about how to get into John Hopkins University. Oh, wait a minute. Let me finish Waypath here. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling very well today. Yeah, so Waypath... It's the first version of the standards of care were published in 1979, okay? That's that's about the same time all these other people are fishing around, right? Version 7 was published in 2011. I don't know why they haven't published anymore, but I did find that, for example, UCLA has a terrific piece that they recommend to other people. Why it doesn't come from YPAP, I don't really understand that. But anyway, so... Um, one thing significant about Johns Hopkins, I'm going to move over to there now. Let's get off of Benjamin Guy here. And this is all being your show notes. So you can dig around a little bit more yourselves. John Hopkins was the first hospital in this country that I've been able to verify as being the first into the transgender business. Okay. And John, I don't know why it says Johns, J-O-H-N-S, Hopkins. Um, interesting looking person. And um, they've been doing a lot of things. You might have heard their name during all this COVID stuff because Johns Hopkins was in charge of all the COVID tracking. Okay. So they've been very, very involved in all of this um, 
transgender stuff. They were the first ones into it. And they also did a pretty interesting thing. I don't know what blue babies mean, okay? I read a thing that John Hopkins celebrates 75 years since historic blue baby operation. Obviously, babies were being born with heart problems. How'd they get those heart problems? I don't know. But anyway, so John Hopkins did this surgery, and it really ushered in a new era of cardiac surgery back in 1944. And, you know, it's kind of funny is all these years that they've been telling us that women don't have heart attacks like men. <laughs> Maybe because they want to kill us off faster. I don't know. So, yeah, so what's interesting about John Hopkins is that they were first into the trans game, okay? Every major hospital in the last few years has announced transgender wings to their hospitals. They've already been doing the surgeries. They're just making the announcements now. So what happened was at first they were into the um, trans thing early on, very early on. And what happened was, was that one of their staff people supposedly didn't want them to be in the trans business anymore, which seems a little bit shady to me, but that's their story. So we'll just stick with that. There was a psychiatrist at um, Johns Hopkins and he forced them supposedly into getting out of the trans surgery business. And they supposedly only got back into it recently. So that leads to the next question. Well, who else is doing surgeries in this country? That's something we should take a look at. And one other place that is of high interest is the UCLA. All these teaching hospitals, lots of researchers, lots of money sloshing around, right? Found a really fascinating guy at UCLA, a guy named Elmer Belt, B-E-L-T, like your belt on your waist. He was a fascinating person. I don't know how much of this story is true, but boy, he did a lot. So... He donated this monstrous library to UCLA in the 60s that he had collected, okay? This huge Elmer Belt library collection. But he was an interesting guy because he was born in 1893, okay? He was an internationally recognized urologist. You're going to hear the word urologist. Just think about it because they're using the area that you urinate from, okay? So you've got urologists in these deals. You've got hormone people in these deals. So there's usually a kind of a group of them, a clique of them you'll start to see going on, okay? So anyway, so yeah, he was born pretty early on, right? So he was, he was an internationally recognized urologist, a pioneer in sex change surgery, and an important mover in the founding of the UCLA School of Medicine. And he was this big book collector, okay? He collected all kinds of stuff. Must be a lot of money in those surgeries. But anyway, so yeah, so he was responsible for getting UCLA going. And it's pretty interesting because UCLA is really big into all of this stuff, okay? And it's also a public university, which makes it kind of interesting. And it's it's considered one of the country's public Ivies. You know, the Ivy schools that they go to, Harvard, all of those. Those are called Blue, blue Ivies, aren't they? Yeah. And it's frequently ranked amongst the best universities in the world by major college and university rankings. UCLA, okay, there we go. Didn't find anything particularly um, nauseous about them besides all of it. Um, and only found one military connection here. All these other people pretty much have been trained by military. And um, UCLA, interestingly enough, it's considered this great big place as of October 2020. 25 Nobel laureates have graduated from there. Three Fields medalists. 
five Turing Award winners. Turing is Alan Turing from the UK, that supposedly gay guy who supposedly turned the corner for World War II, all a big lie. They, yeah, it, anyway, they still give out awards for him. It took the Queen like until just a few years ago to, to recognize him, but yeah, that was from World War II. Turing, they did a couple of movies about him. All lies, of course. Um, so anyway, so they have the faculty members, researchers, and they have two chief scientists of the U.S. Air Force have been affiliated with UCLA as faculty, researchers, or alumni. So we got the um, military and they're on the board of UCLA, huh? So, and that is Elmer, Elmer Belt. What I'm going to be doing is there's a connection with Justin Bieber that I've been covering for a really long time now, for a few years now. And there's a doctor named Bieber <laughs> out of Colorado. What they typically will do is change a few letters around their names and stuff. Not, not really complicated stuff. And because it's, it's an interesting story, it has to do with South Park and all of that and all their signaling. It gives you a good example of how they signal these things. So I'll be covering that in the next couple of days. The shows will be like every other day because doing one every day is something I can't do. And also look for the new show that will come out, very short show, to remind you of the laws that are in place right now. So I certainly hope you will keep yourselves busy and moving forward because, remember, they signal and then the sneak attack we're not going to know about. So we got a lot of things going on now between this Evergrande thing and China going on right now. Big, huge real estate company on the edge. Lots of things on the edge. They're trying to refinance Washington. Lots, lots of ways that they could pull tricks right now. Okay. So if you're trusting your banks and stuff, I would consider thinking it over more clearly. So anyway, so I'll join you in the comments. Be safe out there. And next we'll talk about the Beavers. And then we want to talk about tunnels and um the weapons of war where are they hiding all this stuff well if it were me i'd be i'd be putting it in a tunnel <laughs> so anyway so chat with you guys soon join you in the comments please join us in the comments it, it's not any it doesn't do me any good to come here and do shows if you're not going to talk because otherwise i'll just keep just doing my work on my own so anyways be safe out there talk to you soon goodbye for now